0: Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to The Review Show. It's a show that thinks if luck does indeed even itself out over the course of a season, then from now until May, United will get relegated. On today's pod, we're looking back on a very sexy performance from the Blues, as well as revisiting all of the weekend's big games, several of which saw a riveting relegation battle take another significant twist. We'll probably also mention Mitrovic. To discuss all this, I'm joined as ever by my cup compadre, Tom Young. Hi Tom, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good.
1: Uh, like you say, you've you've summarised a pretty intense weekend of football in about 10 seconds there. And there's a, <laughs> a hell of a lot to unpack, so yeah, hopefully it should be a good one.
0: It was indeed a lot of to unpack. I mean, let's start obviously at City. Um, I mean, City was sublime, but before we get to that, I think we should talk about Burnley, because obviously the the Vinny connection... The fact that they were just very good and the fact that they are ripping the championship apart this season i personally thought they were the better team for the first half hour and um, i think they caused us all kinds of problems would you go along with that
1: yeah very much so i was i didn't really know what to expect from burnley coming into it it was i felt sorry for them in a way with the draw because i thought they Really, when you look to the teams left in it, if they'd have had a home draw yes, yeah. against anyone other than really City or United. I think you'd have you'd have fancied them to give as good as he got, and and they gave as good as he got in that, that first half hour at the Etihad. And if they'd have managed to find a way to get that first goal, um I think they'd have made it. A, they would have made it sort of a competitive game, and. Unfortunately for them, the nature of, of City at the moment, the nature of Erling Harland is the minute that first goal goes in, and then that second goal goes in straight afterwards. The game was was essentially done. It was that the style of play for Burnley is because it's so similar to City, so going to struggle to sort of outplay City at their yeah, own game, especially from behind. Yeah. Um, but I was very impressed with what I saw from them in that first in that first thirty minutes. I thought they, like I say, they. Numerous times I've seen Burnley come to the Etihad, play sort of long, long ball football and get and get panned five or six nil. It's just a case of you sitting around waiting for the first goal to go in, and then you know it's going to be sort of a barrage of goals that will follow. You didn't get that sense of sort of that that was what what was going to happen on Sunday on Saturday night. Sorry, um, I thought until that first goal went in, like you say, Burnley were were probably the better side, and and were unfortunate to find themselves behind. But then that's when. The quality and the experience of Manchester City told, and they were able to to really grab a, a foot on the game, especially like I say, getting that second goal so quickly. Um, mm. but full credit to Burnley, who I thought were were fantastic, particularly in that first half.
0: I mean, you're absolutely right in saying that there, there are kind of mirror images in between how they play and City, and and they had to stick with that for one thing. They're disadvantaging themselves if they change tactics. You know, yeah. as a one-off game, indeed their kind of toughest game of the season. Um, but also, it, it, you've got the best chance at the Etihad if you go at City, I always think. I mean, if you're going to sit back, as you say, it's just going to be a matter of time before, you know, De Bruyne and co. find a way through. So they were right to stick to their guns and play that kind of football. But when you do that, then suddenly there is a huge kind of, you know, chasm in quality between the two teams. So one is going to beat the other, you know, kind of 99 times out of 100. Um But yeah, they created a few chances and they did really well, and I think they were so well organised by Vinny, uh, that reflects so well on him. Um, Because frankly, you know, it's more than possible for an average manager to compile a very good team, but it's very hard for any manager to put a team together who plays like that and are as well organised as that. I think that really came through, more so than the quality of the individuals, you know, the collective was so well organised. If you put this Burnley team into the top flight right now, this season, how they've been playing this season, and I don't think they've changed their style too much, where would they be? I mean, I'd put them up there alongside Brentford and Fulham. Yeah, I
1: mean in terms of the style of play, in terms of the way way in which they're just kind of taking teams apart. They're not you get teams that sort of and I think Brentford and Fulham are fair comparisons in that Brentford and Fulham aren't just winning games of football, they're playing good football and yeah. they're winning they're winning the games in the right way. Uh you get it where you have teams that are just really good defensively, can nick a goal here or there and win football matches. Burnley aren't that team. They are very strong defensively, don't get me wrong, but they're also a very good footballing unit, they're a very good side. And there was a quote that I read of company, um, and I can't, I can't actually find the video of him saying it, and I assume it's true, where he said something along the lines of, we're not first place in the Championship, yes. we're 21st yeah. place in English football, and that's why we can't rest, because we need to have that mentality that, yes, we've we're cruising our way, essentially, to a Championship title, but it gets tough in the Premier League and they were showed on Saturday, but I don't think they are the 21st best, best team in English football. I think comfortably, like you say, if you put them in the Premier League with that squad right now, I think you're talking minimum sort of 13th, 14th place in, in, in the Premier League. So mm. yeah, I understand what companies saying. I understand that they don't want to get ahead of themselves. It was probably the kind of, the wake up call that Burnley maybe needed. I don't think the players ever really expected to come to the Etihad and win all the fans for that matter. But it's the reality check that we are comfortably by far and away the best mm. team in the championship. However, things get tougher and, and come come August, come September when the Premier League season kicks off. We're gonna we're gonna have a battle to sort of stay in this competition. But I think I think Burnley are right up there with sort of like you say, maybe not maybe not haven't done it across a long enough um, period of time to be as good as a Brentford maybe but certainly you look at Fulham and you think they're they're outweighing expectations and with the way in which Burnley play football I don't see any reason why they couldn't come into the Premier League and have a similar impact next season like, like Fulham have had in the Premier League this season
0: Yeah and I think that scoreline could well be a blessing in disguise for Vinny when it comes to going to his chairman over the summer. Um, There are some kind of problems at the moment, aren't there, in regards to FFP with Burnley, but if they do have a budget, if they are allowed to spend, then Vinny can say, you know, okay, look at what we did uh, against City and against United. We were valiant losers. (laughs) Um, Do you want us to be valiant losers all season long? Okay, well, stump up. I need a new striker. I need a new midfielder. Um, Otherwise, I think the boards could fail if if Burnley had, you know, lost 1-0 and, and played like they did across the whole 90, the board could very well think, do we need to really kind of go out and spend big this summer? Because our squad can easily compete. Um, so maybe that's scoreline might be a blessing in disguise in the long run for Vinnie Company. Uh And then suddenly it was really in Carlin's show, uh, his sixth hat-trick of the season, 42 goals in 37 games. What I found particularly intriguing, looking at the stats earlier, he's been subbed in 48% of the games he's played in this season. And some of them are early substitutions as well. 55th minute, 60th minute. You kind of accumulate that, and that's a lot of minutes this season where he's basically just been, you know, pulled back to the bench because he's done his job. He could have well scored more, far more than he has. Um, it, it It's impossible to compute, isn't it, how... I'm not, I was going to say how good he is, but it's not even... It doesn't come down to that, I don't think. I think just he's in a category all to himself. I, I wouldn't yeah. say he is kind of, you know... He's not a sublime footballer in terms of, like, you know, the basics of football. He's a very good footballer, but he's not a supernatural footballer like Kevin De Bruyne. Um, even in terms of goal scoring, it, I just can't make sense of it. <laughs> I've tried to. People say that, you know, he's got this the best I can make sense of it is his instincts are just on another planet to other footballers. in terms yeah. of Knowing where to be, knowing what's yeah. going to happen. Um, and obviously he's got his build and he's got his pace and all the rest of it. But I think it's more, I think instincts are where the secrets are found to Erlen Haaland. Would you go along with that? What, what makes him so phenomenal?
1: I just think he's got, I think these two things. One is just that desire to score goals and it's it's easy to say that every footballer wants to score goals Erling Haaland has this freakish sort of i have to score goals i will not yeah. allow anybody else to score goals if i'm in the box that ball will find its way to me i don't care how many other players are in this box i will be that person that will put this ball in the back of the net but equally i just think he's so so intelligent you watch the man and I've I've kind of I've I've said on on here before. I used to do it with David Silver, and I used to do it with uh, I've done it with Kevin De Bruyne before. Where through spells of games, I'll just sit and watch that specific player. And with David Silver and with Kevin De Bruyne, I was watching them in a different way. I was watching them because you you're watching the movement, you're seeing them drop into the pockets, They've, their sort of mentality of not reading the game two or three passes ahead of everybody mm. else because they are that good. They are that technically gifted that they know they can drop in 30 yards and clip a ball over the back line. I did the same with Erling Haaland on Tuesday night against Leipzig and he's just always he he reads the game so well and I think he doesn't get as much which sounds crazy to think for a man who's scored as many goals as he has. People will call him he's a tapping merchant, he can only score tappings. Mbappe can do so much more with the ball at his feet, Neymar's this, whoever's that. At the end of the day The the aim of a striker is to put the ball in the back of the net. You don't get bonus points for dribbling past three players. You don't get double goals for scoring from outside of the box. Erling Haaland's footballing brain is as good as any striker that I've seen play in the Premier League in that he just knows where to position himself. Mm. Every lost cause he's chased down, every second ball, he's always in front of his man. I think which goal was it on on Thursday? I, I think Akanji had a header saved, and I'm watching him. And as, as akanji has gone up for the header, he's already pulled himself in front of the centre back who who had the who uh, who had the right position. Sorry, to sweep up the second ball, mm. he's pulled himself in front of him. The ball falls to him, and he's put it in the back of the net. And like you say, the numbers are unheard of. What he's doing in English football in the in modern day English football is unheard of, particularly to do it in his debut season. I remember saying at the start of the year, if Erling Haaland scored 20 goals in all competitions, I would consider that. And I still maintain that I would have considered yeah, that a absolutely. successful season yeah, yeah. for the man. Yeah. And we're talking now 42 goals and we've still got, what is it, potentially 17 games left to play. The all-time English record is 61, is it, or 62 that he's got to, got to get to. And with the way things are going, he could well do that. He scored. He played 11 games at the Etihad and he scored hat-tricks in six of those 11 games. <laughs> the man is statistically more likely to score a hat-trick when he steps on the pitch at the Etihad than he is to not score a hat-trick. Do you know how crazy that actually is? He's scored hat-tricks in more games than he hasn't. It's you can't I, I said on Twitter at the weekend. You can't even report about him. You can't tweet about him because the minute you tweet something about his numbers, it's irrelevant and it's out of date because yeah. he's gone and scored another three and it's yeah. It's it's unbelievable. And this City team, there was obviously people have said, are they better without him? Are they this? Are they that? Is he holding them back? And I think, yeah, I mean, at the time we, we kind of considered it laughable to think you could you could say a player that scored that many goals is holding the team back. But we are finally seeing this City team click and properly click yes. in the way that... I yeah. think it's taken a little bit longer than people maybe hoped it would do. But this City team across the last couple of weeks... I am now watching City play football, expecting them to score four or five goals, expecting them to go out and win games comfortably. And if we continue in this vein of form, then we, we'll be there or thereabouts in all of the competitions we're, we're in the running for this season.
0: I've, I've got to say, the actual discussion about whether City are better with or without Haaland, um, I think that was a legitimate conversation. But there's a huge caveat to go with that. You know, For yeah. one thing, you know, people basically... Got a bit daft with it and went well, a bit far with it, you know. What, what all the bit I found to be interesting was: Are we a better footballing team without Erling Carland? And um, you know, obviously the goals he scored and what he offers City, it, it you can't put a measure on that. Of course you can't. Um, but I did find it interesting comparing this City team who has struggled at different times this season, not directly as a result of Erling Carlin, but we have struggled um, comparing this football team to the ones we've seen in previous seasons. I thought that was a legitimate conversation to be had because with him in that side, we're a very different team and we play differently and we have different objectives um, and different ways and means. And so all of that, I think yeah, you know, that's a fascinating subject to explore. But, of course, people went too far and said, you know, we're a worse team with him in the team. Of course, that's absolute nonsense. He's an, a phenomenal centre-forward, the likes of which will be talked about in 50, 70, 100 years from now. Um, what's your thoughts on Alvarez kind of teaming up with, with Haaland? Um, i love him in the team. I love it when he starts. It didn't work against Tottenham, um, and that was a concern for me personally. But since then I've been hugely encouraged by how they're linking up. As you said, City are really starting to find a way now of, of really maximising their strengths with Haaland and the team. And a lot of that I think is down to having Marez, Alvarez, Foden, all kind of getting closer to him. I think, you know. And also, it has to be said as well, we've we've seen over about three or four game period gundo in particular trying to thread through balls and it just didn't work out you know There were so many times where it just clip a player's defender's heel and it wouldn't reach him but you could see gundo was trying and trying and trying to thread these through balls there's a lot more of that going on as well um but anyway going back to i'm I'm digressing there because going back to alvarez he's a player magnificent player in his own right i love him starting um are you a fan